Let's pray. Lord, we give you this time now in your word as we're talking about vision and direction for 2012. I pray that you would meet each of us, Lord. And what I'm praying especially for me and for each of us, Lord, would you give each of us a, a next step to grow in faith, trusting you, a next step to grow in community, really becoming part of your people, and next step to grow in advancing the mission, Lord, in, in sharing the gospel. So we want this to come from you, Lord, that, that you would stir our hearts. So use your word, use what's shared, and pour out your grace upon me and, and upon all of us, I pray now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I was thinking this last week, I have been a, a pastor for over 30 years. Kind of scary to think about it. And, um, and this last year, uh, 2011, has been the hardest year uh, in my ministry. Um, but this last year has also been, as I thought about it, the best year that I've experienced. Here's some of the things that have made it hard. Uh, most of you know about these. Uh, with all the joy of being involved in helping plant Garden City Church, and there was great joy in doing that, the difficulty of having good friends who we know and love, and I know many of you have experienced this too, to send them off and to say, Lord, bless you, we love you, we're not going to see you as much anymore, but Jesus is worth it all. That's not easy. And, and that, that, was, that was painful and difficult and joyful. You understand it's kind of a bittersweet thing. But it was difficult. And to have one of, uh, we, we lost one of our elders and his family after lots of discussion and lots of conversation. And that was, that was very, very painful. Um, we, we had to close two of our home groups for various reasons, and, and that was difficult. And, and all of those kind of combining together, just speaking personally for me, this last year is the hardest year that I've had in, in ministry. But, as is so often the case with the Lord, some of you know what I'm going to say next, it also was one of the best years. One of the biggest reasons is because um, the Lord, Jesus, has just been there uh, for me. I haven't sought him perfectly by any stretch of the imagination, but, but he, has, he has been there, and he has comforted me through difficult, through some pain. He has corrected me, right, through the process of this. There's been things he has said, you need to do this better, do this better. He has strengthened me. He has uh, overwhelmingly filled me and satisfied me again and again and again and again. And that has just been, well, you know, we're talking about Jesus, right? You know who he is. You know how he does that. And then in addition to that, there's been, I mean, again, sending Garden City Church off, they are flourishing. It's very exciting what's going on there. So that has been a joyful thing, mostly. You're all hearing that, right? Mostly that's been a joyful uh a joyful thing. I look back, and I we meet with Justin. Jerry and I are still functioning as their elders, so we're still very, very connected and thrilled with what's going on down there. And then we had the joy of seeing seven uh, people baptized and come to faith this last year. Um, I have grown this last year in personal evangelism more than ever before um, through many of you praying and, and challenging me and encouraging me along. And we've seen many, many. I, I've grown, and many of you have grown in DNA groups, which we're going to be talking about this morning, and in home groups. And so this last year has just been full of fruitfulness, 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 mixed in with, with the, the, the difficulties and the pain. So that was last year, okay? 
my hardest, one of the best. So what's 2012 going to hold for us? This is what Jerry and I and the home group leaders and the staff here, home group leaders, we've all been kind of thinking, praying, pondering. Lord, what, what do you have for us in 2012? And we aren't sure exactly, but we, we have a sense of what directions he wants us to pursue, what trajectories he wants us to move ahead in. And that's how he's going to be working. So that's what I want to share with you this morning is our sense in terms of what God has for our vision and direction for 2012. And the scripture that summarizes what our sense is from the Lord is John chapter 17, verses 20 to 23. So why don't you turn there? And as we always say, if you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand so we can bring one to you. We want you all to be able to look on with us in the scriptures, John chapter 17, verses 20 to 23. So keep your hand raised, be bold. Uh, John 17, in the Bibles we're passing out, is on page 903. John 17 is a powerful chapter. I would encourage you to study it, consider memorizing it. In John 17, we can eavesdrop in as we listen to Jesus praying. It's powerful to see what he prays here. He starts off praying about the cross, which he is facing. And then he moves to pray for his immediate disciples, those who are alive with him there, trusting him as Messiah, Lord, Savior, Treasure. He's praying for his disciples. And then he moves from praying for his immediate disciples to praying for those who believe in him through those disciples, which is us. So in John 17, we can read, how did Jesus pray for you? What did he ask the Father to do in you? And look at verses 20 to 23. We can read how Jesus prays for us. Verse 20. I do not ask for these only, that is, the disciples that were alive at that time, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Who's that? That's you. He's praying here for you. But also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you've given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you, Father, in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, and loved them even as you loved me. So what does Jesus pray for us? There's one thing he mentions three times. Did you catch it? That we'd be one. Okay, notice verse 21, that they may all be one. End of verse 22, that they may be one. Verse 23, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one. Jesus prays that we would be one. Now, I I don't think that that means that he's envisioning kind of an organizational unity where we're part of one organization that reaches around the globe. He's talking about relational unity because the model for it is between him and the Father. He's talking about relational unity. It means being part of a group of believers who know each other, who love each other, who care for each other and who serve each other. He's being being part of a group of believers like like that. That's what he means when he says that they may be one. 
And see, when we love each other the way Jesus is describing here with this unity, when we have that kind of love for each other, that kind of serving each other, that kind of devotion to each other, when we have that, people who don't know Jesus will look at our love and they'll say, we don't have that. Where did they get that? And Jesus says the result of seeing our oneness, our relational unity with the group of people, the result of lost people seeing that, they will be convinced there is a God. God did send Jesus. And Jesus can so change our hearts and so fill us that, that we could become loving like that. It's, it's real. The gospel is real, in other words. It's a little example. Like yesterday, I guess it was Friday morning. I was talking to Justin on the phone yesterday. He, he mentioned this to me. He doesn't want me to... Share it, I'm going to. Uh, no, he, he didn't say don't share it, so I've, I'm free. Um, but so DNA group, Justin and Brandon were talking, and they realized, hey, both of our wives have been really busy taking care of kids, and, and we've been kind of preoccupied with other things, and so, hey, let's give our wives a Saturday morning off. Let's, you and me, take our kids, Colby, Justin's daughter, and Jonathan, Brandon's son. I, I knew I was going to blank out. Let's take them to the park Saturday morning. We can hang out, and our wives can just have some time off. Now see, isn't that awesome? Ladies, is that an amazing thing? That's supernatural. Sorry, repeat it again. Okay, so, but see, that's the kind of love. Here's love for wives, those two brothers together, Colby and Jonathan getting a little date. Okay, it's kind of fun. All right, so, okay. So when Jesus prays for unity, and again, three times he says, Father, that they may be one, that they may be one, that they may be perfectly one. He's talking about a relational unity, community, where you're part of a group of people who know each other, love each other, care for each other, serve each other in such a deep, powerful, forgive each other, put up with each other. Let's get real here, okay? There's all that too. No, none of us are, are perfect. But that, that'll be so powerful that lost people will say, how do they love that way? They have something we don't have. This must be real, what they're saying. Okay, now where does this loving community come from? Verse 22, Jesus tells us, The glory that you've given to me, I have given to them, that they may be one. Do you see where the oneness comes from? The glory you've given to me, Father, I have given this glory to them, that they may be one. The oneness comes from beholding Jesus' glory. Now, a little quiz. Remember what glory is? We've talked about it the last four weeks, I think, or three weeks. Remember what glory is? Glory is what you feel inside when something makes you say, wow. That's glory. And Jesus' glory as the Son of God, his glory, because he's God, sets him infinitely above every other glory in this world, every other wow that's in this world. Jesus' glory. He's awesome. He's loving. He's spectacular. Look at who he is. It's Jesus' glory. So here's what happens. When you turn and trust Jesus' death on the cross to pay for all of your sins, and when you trust his power to change your heart, and you trust his word to guide you, and you trust his presence to satisfy you, when you, when you become a follower of Jesus, something supernatural takes place. He shows you his glory, and you see him. And at that moment, you are tapping into the joy, the infinitely greatest joy of the universe that you were created to know. And you see him, and you worship him, and you love him, and you're filled with him. And the result of that filling, you're freed from your worries and your anxieties and your emptiness, and you can love other people. 
It's like there's a fountain flowing fullness into your heart and you overflow with love towards others. Glory produces that community, that love. That's where this comes from. Like, like what happened in one of our home groups this last year. There was a family in this home group that had some financial setbacks, couldn't pay rent. What did this home group do? They collected a couple hundred dollars to give to them. Now, why would they do that? I mean, here's why. It's because when you, when you experience Jesus' glory satisfying your heart, you know that he will satisfy me infinitely more than whatever I could have bought with that hundred dollars. He will secure my financial future more than could have been secured by that couple hundred dollars. You see his glory, you are satisfied, you are secured, and you give. That's what happens. So the community, the unity that Jesus is praying for comes from seeing God's glory. So we've got community, and then we've got seeing his glory, which comes from what we do as faith. So I'm going to summarize that word as faith. When we put our trust in Jesus Christ... He shows us his glory. We are satisfied. We are secured. And then Jesus says there's an outcome from this community. What results from it? When, through faith, through trusting Christ, you see his glory, satisfied, secured, the result is you will love unity, oneness, community, and lost people will be saved as a result. Verses 20 to 21, look at, look at how that argument goes. Verse 20, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. There's the faith part, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you've sent me. Why will the world believe? Because they will see our oneness. It's this group of people that know each other, love each other, care for each other, forgive each other, serve each other. Verse 23, same idea. I am them, Father, and you, Father, in me, there's the glory part, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Our oneness isn't just because we love being one and it's just so comfortable. It is, we do love it, but we're oneness on mission. There's a broader purpose. And it's easy to kind of get introspective sometimes and think it's just us, a little navel-gazing kind of thing. But Jesus says, no, 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 the oneness I'm giving to you is for them. Show it to them. Take it to them. Invite them in to see it. So it's for the sake of lost people. So it's like what happened with, with Ben Cook. Okay, We baptized, what, a few, what, two months ago, three months ago? I, I love this story. Ben walked in, um, was walking, were you walking your dog? You don't have a dog, okay. <laughs> he was just walking. And he saw our signs, and he came in last year, and uh, had had a tough last last period of time, and uh, and came in and, and, and was and, and saw 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 love, and then was invited to the park's home group, and saw the love that was there, saw the unity that was there, heard the gospel from the brothers and sisters that were there, and just like Jesus says here, he saw the love, he saw the truth of the gospel, and he was born again. Very simple, and yet so powerful and profound what God has done. That's what Jesus is calling us to do. So, see, in a nutshell, that's the vision of Mercy Hill Church. Faith by which we are satisfied and secured in Jesus' glory, and the result of that is an overflow of 
love, community for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Husbands, wives, kids, community in Christ. There's, there's that unity, there's that love there that is so... The, the world does not have that. See, sometimes we don't see what we have. We can get so used to it, but the love that Christ gives us by filling us, satisfying us, securing us with his glory will be stunning to people who don't know Christ. We don't have that. Where does that come from? How do they get that? Jesus must be such an all-satisfying treasure that they can love each other that way. He is real. And they'll be born again as well. Faith, community, and mission. So, how are we going to pursue these as a church body? And then, what might be some ways that you individually could take some growth steps in each of these in 2012? That's what I want to share about. And I'm going to open up for some questions and then... We're going to move in to this, to this year. How are we going to pursue faith? This is where it all begins. I, I, I hope you hear this. You hear it probably at least once every Sunday. Okay, but Christianity is not about you trying to be good and going to church. You can do that and not know the Lord, not be saved, not be born again. What Christianity is all about is heart trust in the living Jesus, trusting him to save you through his death on the cross, trusting him as your as the power to change you. He will change me as I trust him, trusting him to guide you, trusting him to satisfy you. That's what faith is. It's living by faith in Jesus Christ, not just like for two hours here Sunday morning, but Mondays you're on your commute, and Tuesdays you're taking the trash out, and, and Wednesdays your neighbor you know spills his car oil all over your driveway, or whatever it might be, okay? You're, you're living by faith in Jesus Christ. You're trusting Jesus. Save me, forgive me, satisfy me, guide me, help me, fill me. Living by faith. So how can we grow in faith in 2012? Here's some things that we elders and staff and leaders are committed to doing to to help you. And I'm going to suggest some things that you could do individually. But here's things we're going to be doing to help you, okay? Home group leaders. Ian and Maria Gregg, Maria's teaching the junior high class this morning, all right, but Ian and Maria, okay, leading one of the home groups, and Rick and Yvonne Park, right over here, leading one of the home groups, and of course, then Jerry and Dee Dee, and Jan and me. Our commitment is to have our home groups be places where your faith will be strengthened, where you will learn how to live by faith and be encouraged to live by faith. So what our passion is to strengthen each of our home groups, so we're doing this more. And then Dave Clark, who's away, as you know, this weekend, but leading worship here Sunday morning. So when you come on a Sunday morning, you will have a time before the Lord God in worship that will build and strengthen your faith. And then I'm committed, we're heading into a new series on the Sermon on the Mount starting next Sunday, which I am very excited about. But I'm going to be myself, and then we're, we're raising up a team of preachers who, by God's grace, will be giving you the word of God in such a way every Sunday that your faith in Jesus Christ is strengthened. We want this to be a place where you walk in, and if your faith is at this level, you'll walk out, and your faith will be at this level, okay? In at this level, out at this level. Or in at this level, out at this level, okay? Whatever it might be. We want that to be what's happening here. And then Joe and Cindy with Children's Ministry, and all the rest of you, thank you so much, by the way, all the rest of you who are involved in teaching our children and helping our children. I mean, most of you are involved in children's ministry. It's an amazing thing that's happening here at Mercy Hill. But we want children's ministry, Joe and Cindy's passion, I love their vision, is to have this be a place not where kids are told, you know, be good and be polite. I mean, we, we tell them that, but that's not Christianity. Know Jesus. Love Jesus. Trust Jesus. 
children can be born again by the power of the Holy Spirit so that they are satisfied with his glory and are secured in his glory at a you know five-year-old level. Okay, that, that can happen. And so I love what's happening there. So we're committed to having the children's ministry be a place where children are taught to trust Jesus, live by faith in Jesus Christ. And then Brandon and Michelle with junior high ministry. Okay, same thing. Maria's teaching back there this morning. We've got a great... David Lynn is teaching. Zach's teaching regularly. We've got a great team that Brandon and Michelle have pulled together here of teachers. And then Dave and Jasmine with, with high school ministry. And then, of course, Debbie Ferris keeps the whole thing. She's the administrative assistant. She just keeps the whole thing humming smoothly. But so we're committed as elders, as staff, as home group leaders, as ministry leaders to doing what we can to be strengthening your faith. But now here's some things you can do. Okay? I don't think I can, I can overemphasize the power of you spending time every day with God in the word and prayer on your own. That is irreplaceable. It's essential. And Satan will fight so hard and work so hard to keep that from happening. Doesn't he? This morning, I mean... I'm reading the Bible, and just, just the weirdest distracting thoughts came in. Just, oh, Lord, just help me, help me. And he does, he helps. But we all, Satan just like, oh, Bible, red alert, you know, go send some demons here, distract, distract, you know, right? Oh, the Bible's closed. Hey, guys, go get a donut, you know, no, no problem, all right? So one of the most important things you can do is, not in a legalistic way, but in a, in a grace-drenched, Christ-connecting heart way, meet the Lord in the word and in prayer every day. Oh, that'll strengthen your faith. And grow in fighting the fight of faith. If, you, if you're not sure what that means, listen to a sermon series I did. I, I didn't look up the date, but it's a couple years ago. It's on our website called Fighting the Fight of Faith. Listen to that and see if that's helpful. Uh, we've been recommending some audio uh, materials by John Piper called Battling Unbelief. Listen to that. Many, many, many of you have been, and it's been very helpful. And the main reason I started this blog called livingbyfaithblog.com is so that you could read that and be strengthened and learn how to fight the fight of faith. So take some steps in growing and understanding how to fight the fight of faith. And then do all you can to become part of a home group and a, and a DNA group, which I'm going to explain in a moment what a DNA group is. But do all you can to become part of that because the, the number one priority of our home group or the starting point is to make sure that each of us are growing strong in faith. So do that. Become part of a, of a home group. So that's faith. That's how we're going to pursue faith in 2012. Now, how are we going to pursue community? Every church needs to come before the Lord, search the scriptures, and prayerfully decide how are we going to structure so that people here are going to experience church life as it's described in the New Testament. How are we going to do that? And see, our conviction from studying the scriptures is that church life is not just attending meetings. You can attend meetings not experience what this book describes as, as church life. Church life means being part of a group of believers. You're part of a group. They have meetings, but, but more important than that, you're part of a group who love each other, who know each other, who pray for each other, who serve each other, who help each other move like happened in the parks home group 
Right? Okay, with Elvira. Right. So Parks Home Group helps her. And then it helped the neighbor, too, do some moving yesterday morning. Okay? But you're helping each other. You're advancing the gospel together. You're, you're, you're so close that when one weeps, you all know and you're all weeping. And when one rejoices, you all know and you're all rejoicing. See, that's, that's the oneness that Jesus prayed for. And you're advancing the gospel together. We're here to see lost people saved. How can we do that? Let's pray for each other. Let's help each other in each other's neighborhoods, each other's work, associates. What can we do together? That's what church life means. It'll express itself in meetings, but as we like to say, you can go to meetings and not experience that, right? I mean, you can go to church and not experience church. So here at Mercy Hill, the way we pursue community the way we've structured for community is, is, in, is in home groups. Okay, what's a home group? It's a group of like maybe 8 to 15 people. I know some of ours are larger than that, and now we're working on that. But it's a group of 8 to maybe 15 people. Single, married, old, young, parents, children, rich, poor, all races, all backgrounds, who love Jesus Christ, who trust Jesus Christ. They follow Jesus together. They love each other together. And they advance the gospel together. That's what a home group home group is. Now they meet together. They meet together once a week. Our, our home group meets at Wednesday. I think we have two Wednesdays right now and two Fridays right now. They meet together once a week. Um, they also hang out at various times during the week. Like some of the guys in our home group go, go mountain biking together and some of, the, some of the women have tea together and some moms take their kids to the parks together. Some of the guys have pub nights together. All kinds of different ways that they connect together during the, during the week. And then Sunday mornings, there's, there's connections that are all, all going on here. We include children in our home groups. Here's why. We want the home group not to take away from your family, not to take away from your marriage, not to take away from your parenting. We want, we want the home group to be a place which builds your marriage and builds your family and builds your parenting. I love, we have one high schooler at least who comes pretty regularly, and we have a couple junior hires who are coming regularly to our, our home group now. It's kind of fun. So, we want it to build. And listen, parents, one of the most important things your kids need is to see you in community with other adults. They can see church life before their eyes as they see you praying in smaller groups together and sharing your burdens together. Your kids need to see you in community with other brothers and sisters. And your kids need to see you on mission with other adults. So they see that you've got a burden for lost people. And hey, we're going over to, to George and Sally's house because they're having a dinner with some of their neighbors. We want to help them. Let's pray, kids, for what God can do and let's go and do this. And you're going, and they're on mission with you together, watching you, participating with you, learning. This is church life. So there's lots of reasons we, we include kids in with our home groups. Now, I know some of you are just not able to be in a home group and you know, schedule whatever. Here, here's my appeal to you. Adopt a home group anyway and connect with them as much as you can. One of the reasons I long for this is so that if a crisis comes in your life, you have a lifeline, okay, so that you have a home group leader that you know and you can say, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm having a hard time here. We've got financial stresses. There's medical issues going on. Tragedies have hit. Help. And so that you can connect in. Maybe you could be part of a DNA group that's under the auspices of that home group, even if you can't attend to the meeting regularly. We just want everybody to be connected. So do all you can to, to adopt a home group. And then you can hang out. If some of the men do something together, some of the women do something together, you can hang out and do that. 
Okay, now, um, just a clarification. Some of you, I appreciate your sharing, but but you, you've shared that 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 we can push home groups so much, which we do big time, but that we can push that so much. It sounds like we're saying no, you can't talk to anybody else who's not in your home group. So let me let me just clarify that really clearly. That is not at all our intent. Now I am I am like rabidly passionate about home groups. Okay, I love home groups, but it's, with the home group, I want it to be a big yes. Not a, no, 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 no. Just a big yes, because what I'm longing for is that you, in your heart, as you study the scriptures and as you pray, that the Lord will birth in your heart a longing. See, ask yourself this question. Are you part of a group of people who love each other, know each other, advance the gospel together, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice? Are you part of a group of people who do that? See, this group right here is too big for that. Home group is that size. So I want there to be a big yes. I'm not worried about the no's. God will work out all the other relationships. Have lots of other relationships. Okay, That's not the problem. That's not the issue. But pursue this, which is the, the biblical picture of church life. Okay. Then also when it comes to other activities, we're like you know, men's activities, women's activities, we have plans of doing lots of other things. But the main thing we've been focusing on this last year and this year is forming up DNA groups. Okay, what is a DNA group? Uh, I just kind of as an experiment a year ago fall, who was in our first group? It was you and Justin and Paul, Paul Walton, right? Where's Paul? Okay, right? It was the four of us, right? 6 a.m. Friday mornings. I'd heard about churches who have home groups who found great benefit in doing DNA groups. D stands for discipleship, N for nurture, A for accountability. And so we just, as an experiment, these guys were willing to have us all be guinea pigs together. And so we met together. We shared the scriptures. We opened up our lives to each other, talked about faith in our lives, community in our lives, mission in our lives. We asked each other hard questions. How's your marriage going? How's sexual temptation issues going? We, we wanted to get right down to the nitty-gritty of what was really going on. Our commitment was we're going to tell each other the truth, and it's all going to be confidential here. And we prayed for each other. We planned the mission together, how to advance the gospel together. And I grew, and I think they said that they grew too. It was, there was just an enthusiastic, this is really, really important for uh, our home group. It helps our home group. To function. So here's the illustration I thought of. Oh, first of all, what is a DNA group? Did I just say what it was? Okay, so three or four men or three or four women who meet together, share the scriptures, open up their lives, share their lives, pray for each other, ask each other hard questions, plan the mission, mission together. They operate under the covering of the home group. They're, they're part of the home group. They're help, helping the home group advance its mission. But here's the illustration I thought of. Let's say that your home group is like the 49ers. Okay, kind of a football theme Sunday we got going here. Okay. 49ers. Now, the 49ers all meet together on a regular basis, right? They have team meetings. But it's also important for the punt return team to meet together separately, right? And it's important for the kickoff team to meet together. And it's important for Alex Smith to meet with the the receivers. They they meet together regularly. And the linebackers meet together. And then there's a really big room where the offensive linemen all meet together, okay? So why, why those smaller groupings? The reason those smaller groupings are important is because they can work through things on a much more specific, concrete, down-to-earth level, and that's what happens in, in the home groups. Now, this last year, I, last fall, I was in a home group with Josh McGuire. This is your cue, Josh. And Josh is going to come up. I asked him to come and just share um, how the DNA group impacted him. So come on up. Can Josh just use this mic over here? Okay. Let's welcome Josh McGuire. Thanks for coming. New member to the church. Thanks, man. 
Okay. Um, so so uh, just, you know, as, as Steve said, I was part of uh, a DNA group um, with him when I first uh, first came here. And uh, um, I, I think he kind of wanted to check out some of the new guys. <laughs> but there, there were um, three or four of us in, in that home group. And uh, I, I guess um, I, I know Steve used the, the kind of smaller football group uh, analogy. But um, the way I... Uh, the way I've seen these um, DNA groups um, and what I experienced w- when I was part of one was it was more like um, trying to, to establish, you know, your, your, your David or find your, your Jonathan. I think in, in the home group setting, it, it's, um, it's great because it, it goes along with the, the kind of the New Testament uh, uh, church where you gather together to, to break bread. But really the DNA group is, is so much uh, more intimate, at least it was for, for me when, when I was part of that. Just, you know, giving a chance to really, um, I don't know, just, just share your soul um, with, with someone else to, to really get that encouragement on the, the, um, the, the much deeper level that honestly you can't get with um, 8 or 15 people, um, with men and women together. It's, uh, it's just so different. Um, so when I uh, started uh, the DNA group with uh, Steve, uh, a couple of things uh, really just became very clear. Um, th- for the first, uh, the first uh, thing that was immediately apparent was just, um, you know, there was there were some jewels that that God wanted to reveal to me just through talking to the other men in the the DNA group. Just. Uh, I had a couple of you know revelations about what what uh, God really um, was about and what faith was about. In particular, you know, Steve um, uh, went through some some what you would think would be basic uh, material, but it just it, it suddenly clicked in my mind in a way that I'd never had before. Uh, in particular, uh, we were talking about what it means to. To grow in faith. I mean, you know, I don't know if you're like me, but I, I pray for more faith constantly. But how do you get that faith? And so Steve just went over some basic things that, you know, faith isn't just this amorphous, um, you know, magical thing that you get more of and, and it's just there and you have faith in God and, and uh, um, you know, all of a sudden you, you feel better. It's really just rooted in the Word, finding particular promises and then believing those promises to grow in faith. And I know that seems really simple, <laughs> but but it was uh, it was really uh, uh, transforming to me. So when I'm reading the the Bible now, I have uh, index cards and I write down promises and I work on believing those promises, those particular promises. Um, so I mean, just you know, simple things like that that uh, uh, just are, are life changing. But uh, also, you know, as Steve mentioned, there's accountability, and not only for you know avoiding sin, right? I, I think we all have those problems, but maybe you know, just as important, if not more important, is encouraging to do good, right? To do the good works that God's prepared for us. Um, and uh, I don't know if it's still up there yet. Yeah, so faith, community, and, and mission. Um, we, t- we talked about each of those things um, during every group. Faith, you know, what's going on in your life? I know you, you said you wanted to, to be reading the scripture more. How's that going? How are your times with the Lord 
the Lord this past week. And uh, that, that's so encouraging to make sure, you know, we, we, we are where we want to be. And uh, community, you know, how's, how, how are things with your wife? You know, are you uh, um, are you shepherding her? You know, I know she's been going through this this hard time or that hard time because you've shared it with us. How's that going? Um, and then finally, uh, uh, just the the mission. Uh, we talk about our lives at work, the things we want to do, the people we're dealing with, who we want to share Christ with, and just being able to check in every week to say, how's that going? You know, did you have a chance to share? And just being able to encourage each other to, to more like evangelism, just saying, you know what, I got to share with this person, and this is how I did it. And then um, you get inspired to, you know, to take that, that step and, and share with uh, the people at your work. So... Um, I, I just found uh, the the uh, couple of months that we were in the group together just uh, fantastic. I um, my my spiritual life was definitely uh, uh, invigorated, and I, I woke up in the morning, and you know the first thing that I, I'd be thinking of is like I'm ready to pray. <laughs> I'm ready to pray for Steve and the other guys in, in the home group, and myself, and and just uh, uh, looking forward to uh, the next time we met together. So I, I just I. I just can't say enough about how great DNA groups are. I mean, um, and just going back to what I originally said, I think, you know, each of us long for that other close Christian who can encourage us, who we can share our ugliness with, um, and who will just be there, you know, that, that David, that Jonathan relationship. And I think that the DNA groups is really the, the setting where that can happen. So uh, I just encourage everybody to, to join one if you can. So. So listen to Josh, all right? <laughs> Strongly encourage you in that direction. I just had such a good time with with Josh and then with Carl Harvell and with David Lynn. We, I mean, the Lord rapidly opened our hearts up to each other and knit our hearts together, and I grew so much through connecting with these guys. It was great. So. That's a DNA group. Now, how are we going to grow in community in 2012? So we talked about faith. Let's move to community. How are we going to grow in community in 2012? Now, here's some of the things that that we elders and home group leaders and staff are going to do to help you, and then I'm going to give you some steps you could take on your own. First of all, Jerry and I have as our top priority to raise up more elders here at Mercy Hill Church. So we've, we've mentioned that before. I taught a series on it a few months ago. You keep praying for us. We're moving ahead, making some progress there. That's crucial for us as a church. In the meantime, of course, I'm, any big decisions Jerry and I have, we're pulling the home group leaders in. Uh, that's helpful, but that's not long-term solution. We want more men, strong, elder guys raised up. So keep praying for that. We're moving ahead on that. We're committed to helping more home groups get started. Let me give you some great news what's happening in our home group. Jan and I have been leading a group, Bernal 101 area. In a couple of weeks, Lord willing, that's going to be coming, coming three groups. Okay, so it's just beautiful what the Lord's done. Scott Sachs is leading a group probably in the like the, the Caudle, Santa Teresa, Blossom Hill area. We're still trying to figure out the name for it. Okay, marketing is really important here. Okay. And then Chris and Minglon Keener, who aren't here this morning, um, they're down, by the way, with an Arms of Love meeting down in Southern California. But anyway, Chris and Minglon leading over more towards Santa Teresa and Bernal. So Scott's leading a group. Multiplying out of our group, Chris and Minglan leading a chunk of our group, and then Jan and I are going to be uh, branching out and starting a group in the Almaden area. So our group is going to become three groups. 
I'm really excited about this. God is just like putting it all together. And so we're, we've had four home groups, now we're becoming six home groups. And we hope to help each home group in 2012 as God leads, but our longing is to see each home group multiply, branch out another home group in 2012. That's our longing. That's what we're praying for. That's what we're working towards. So, Because we need more home groups, right? Some of our home groups have been big, and so we're seeing more we're getting established. And then also things we're doing to help grow in community. I mean, Brandon and Michelle are forming community with the junior hires, Dave and Jasmine with the high schoolers. So that's happening as well. So that's what, what we're going to be doing to help. There's steps that you can take as well. First, join a home group. Okay, just bring this before the Lord. Pray about it. Again, or if, if you can't be, you know, be part of the regular meeting, adopt a home group and just let the home group leader know that that's what's on your heart. Connect in. So join a home group. And then don't just, it's really easy for joining a home group just to become going to a meeting once a week. Don't let it diminish to that. Home group is not a meeting you attend. It's a group of people that you love. So get to know those people. Invest time in relating to those people and connecting with those people. Do stuff. Have each other over for dinner. Go on mountain bike rides together. Go shopping together, whatever it is. But, but connect together. Know each other in life on life, real life settings. Love each other. Pray for each other. Serve each other. Advance the gospel together. So don't, don't just go to a meeting once a week. But these should become some of your best friends in, in that group. And that takes investment of time. It, it's an intentional investment of time. And then become part of a DNA group. We are working very hard, as I said, when it comes to men connecting and women connecting. We're working very hard on, on, on raising up as many DNA groups as we can. And so we're starting new ones. They're growing. There's more of them. So ask your home group leader, if you'd like to be in a DNA group, how that could, could happen. So those are steps we're going to be taking in terms of community. And then how are we going to pursue mission? Mainly, this happens through each home group, coming together and praying together. And saying, how are you called to advance the mission? How are you called to advance the mission? How can we help you with your neighborhood? How can we help you with these buddies you've got at work? So mostly it comes through the home group talking and praying together. But here's just a couple suggestions I would give that we could all be pursuing. First of all, ask Jesus, what is your plan for me to advance the gospel? He has a plan for you. If you've been saved, if you're trusting Jesus Christ, then he calls you to advance the gospel. And he'll give you a way that works, that fits you, your schedule, your personality. Not that it'll be all totally easy, but it'll, it'll fit. It'll be life-giving. It'll work for you. So ask the Lord Jesus, what do you want me to do? And then get trained. Now, we're doing that in our home groups. It's up to each individual home group, but every four, five, six weeks or so, there will be, a, what we've been doing, there's a training time. We'll train you in how to have gospel conversations, in how to share your testimony, in how to share the gospel, how to lead someone to faith. So get training, because this is what we're all called to be pursuing. And then, invite people who don't know Jesus to your home group. I mean, talk as a group about that together. Is that something we want to do? The answer will be yes. How, how, how will that work? Okay, what changes might be, be taken that night? Okay, what, what adjustments might, might we take? We want you to be able to invite a friend and, and feel comfortable with what's going to happen. Invite your friends to come Sunday mornings. I am thrilled about this series on Sermon on the Mount. I think this could be a very powerful series to invite people to, to who don't know Christ because everybody knows about the Sermon on the Mount. Say, hey, we're doing a series on the Sermon on the Mount. Why don't you come? We're studying it together. You might be interested. So invite people. They'll hear the gospel. They'll see our unity here. They'll hear our worship and see the way Jesus is satisfying our hearts. And, and we're praying God will save them. So those are some ways to, 
to pursue the mission. So ways we're going to be pursuing faith in 2012, ways we're pursuing community in 2012, and ways we're pursuing the mission in 2012. Can I, any, I've covered a lot of ground here. Any, any questions? We've got a, got a couple minutes for questions. Any questions about any of this or DNA groups or, or whatever? Yes. Good. What I said about that, and let me just, because I, I might have gone over it too quickly, and that is um, we have all kinds of things we've been thinking about in terms of some breakfast, some service projects we can do. The main thing we've been focusing on is to get men's DNA groups going because we're seeing such a massive need that that meets. So that's been our main priority in 2011, main priority in 2012, but yes to the things too. So we've been talking and the home group leaders have been interacting about that, trying to think of ways we can do it. Some breakfasts, some service things. So, yes. Oh man, retreat! I could mention that. I'm, I don't know, but all the home group leader men were hearing that. Okay, um, that was on my list for last year, and uh, we didn't do one, obviously. So wide open to that. We it's been about four or five years since we've had one, and those were powerful times. So okay, thank you. I did not mention that. Very important. So there's no set time, okay? Uh, you start meeting together with maybe three. Uh, you can add somebody in as the, as the group decides, hey, I've been reaching out to this person. Here's somebody in our home group. We'd like to invite them in, so you may become four. And we encourage each DNA groups have leaders to pray about when's the time, when it's time for you to multiply and to become two DNA groups, two groups of two guys, who then might each add another guy in and become three again. So there's no time limit. It's fluid, depending on what's going on in the group and what's happening. But we do strongly encourage, because we're all involved in advancing the gospel together and reaching out to, to other men, or if it's women, other women in the home group, and wanting to draw them in and seeing them get that. So it's, it's, it's fluid, it moves, it grows, it multiplies, just like a home group does. Yeah, we haven't had training for the DNA leader. The, the training for the DNA groups has been by being in DNA groups. And then the person, you know, under the working with the home group leader, leading a home group, this person seems like they could be a great leader. What do you think? Let's talk about it and then move towards having it become two. So, so when I was in the home group with Justin and Brandon and Paul, Justin was clearly already a leader. So we branched out and then it became Justin and Brandon and Phil and Paul and Scott and Chuck. Am I leaving anybody out? Okay, so they worked that way. So, that's, so the best training is life on life, on the job training. That's how we train DNA leaders. I mean, one, one that uh, I think is a potential that I haven't experienced, but if we, if we ever become so we can't ask each other the hard questions and know we're going to get straight answers, then it, would be, then it would die. It would die. I mean, it's so powerful having brothers just share what's really going on, and it's, a, it's an amazing thing. So that would kill, kill a DNA group is if, we, is if we stopped being able to be totally candid and know it's confidential and, and, and share the re- real stuff with each other. Um, that's all I can think of, though. Takes an emotional investment, and that, and that, so it's costly. Boy, I had some weeks where I, it was, am I going to share this with these guys? Okay, <laughs> I guess I'm going to, because otherwise I'm going to say, I'm, anyway, so excellent. Okay, <laughs> we want the body to be alive, right? Okay, keep going. I like this. This is a good. This is a good flow. So, but yes, a, a, gr- a home group of 18 people would have, I mean, potentially six. In four to six, five to six DNA groups, which we're not there yet. We're still we're we're working ahead as quickly as we can, judiciously, wisely, quickly. So, good illustration.
Thanks, Josie. Okay. All right, we're a little over time here, but is it, if you've got a burning question, but if you don't, okay. Actually, I wasn't quite done preaching it. Okay, so, um, okay, so summary. It's just quick summary. In in closing, right? In closing. Okay, so here's what Jerry and I and the home group leaders are pursuing. Three things. It's in your notes. Raising up more home group leaders. Raising up more elders. Number one, having each home group be strong in faith, strong in community, strong in mission. And then raising up more home groups. So that's what Jerry and I and the home group leaders are working on. And then what I want to call you to do is prayerfully before the Lord, ask the Lord, what's one step I could take to grow in faith? What's one step I could take to grow in community? What's one step I could take to grow in mission? Not by my willpower, not some kind of a resolution, but Lord Jesus, what are you calling me to do? And by your grace, would you enable me from a heart of love for you and trust in you and confidence in your promises, able to step out and do this? And then I would encourage you in your home groups this week, share about those. Or interact together about some of the other questions that may have been raised up through this. So interact, talk together in your home group, share faith, community, and mission, and, um, and what the Lord's calling you in terms of taking specific action steps. So here's the deal. As we work together in the body of Christ here at Mercy Hill Church and pursue faith and pursue community and pursue mission, Jesus Christ will be glorified and you will be strengthened and your brothers and sisters will be deepened in the Lord and you will see people, lost people being saved and run into your home group and, and baptized. Faith, community, and mission. As we work together on these, we will see Jesus build his church and that's what's in our hearts and I, and I want to call you to have that be what's in your heart too. So why don't you stand, let me pray over us and then we'll wrap up. I praise you for your faithfulness in the past, Lord. And that gives us confidence in your promises for the future because we know you will continue to be faithful. And I pray for each one here, Lord, would you, as they seek you and as they ask you, would you give each one here a a next step to grow in faith, a next step to grow in community, and a next step to grow in mission. I pray that you would do that, Lord, that it would be coming from you, birthing it in their hearts by the Spirit, and that you would enable them, you would equip them, you would motivate them, you would give them the tenacity and the, the passion to pursue these things. And then, Lord, we pray that you would be glorified through Mercy Hill Church, that we would see more DNA groups, more home groups, we would see more love, more faith, more community, and more lost people saved. Do this, we pray, for the glory of your name. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.